looking for some new podcasts to listen to? Well, Rat Sound Review Network has plenty of shows to choose from. Like Rat Sound Review, where they discuss the latest rock and metal news, as well as interviews and albums. Album vs. Album, the King Diamond Podcast, with Wayne Noon, Greg Noggle, and sometimes this guy. Smack him a gob! Ralph Vieira is also on our network with the Vieira Vault. There's also Old Man Metal's Musings, where he discusses heavy metal and beer. Music is Life with Lou Mavs. The Right Opinion for Those Who Love Politics. A South Park podcast called Suck My Balls. The Infinite Fringe. A watch-along wrestling show called Beyond Bushido. Extradivarius guitarist, the Timo Tolki podcast. And the great Harry Barnett with I Don't Even Like Podcast and The Laugh Cast. So check out RatSoundReview.com or search RatSoundReview on YouTube, Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Awesome. This is great. Uh, Wayne, thank you again for having me, man. This is great. You're welcome. You're welcome. I feel, I, you know what? I suck at this. I don't know why. I, sometimes I, I, I wrote I things down and I fucking draw a blank. I'll be and I, right I know this album, like the back of my hand, and like, I'm just like, uh, uh, and then I just cut to somebody else. I'd rather What's just it? have somebody else explain it. Like, um, like, what's an album that I love? Like, okay, like, I can explain to you why I love Fair Warning. But, like, I can't explain why I love Diary of a Madman. It's just, I don't know what to say about it, except it's, you know, it, it, I, I get choked up. See, I'm stuttering right now. I get choked yeah, up yeah, yeah, yeah. thinking about it. That's what happens when you've got an album that you really like. It's hard to describe every song because you like all of them. But like, when, we get to, when we get to later ones, there's um, songs that I hate. So that'll be a lot easier. <laughs> see, I'm, I'm glad that you didn't ask me to do Melissa. Because that album is fucking beyond super important for me. Yeah. yeah. You know? And, and, and it's funny because, like, I remember I first heard King Diamond. I, I was seven. My brother brought home them on cassette. And what's the first song I heard? Welcome Home. Right. Scared shitless, and I loved it. <laughs> but I associated that that was the singer of Merciful Fate until I heard Garage Inc., and then I went on and bought Melissa. Really? I, yeah. It took and, that long? 
mind you, the climate that we were growing up in in the 90s. Yeah, but still, you, I don't know. <laughs> I, I figured that out right away. But it, it was but out of sight, out of mind. It was kind of strange to me because you never really, at the time, heard uh, the same vocalist in like two bands. So that that always kind of threw me off, you know. What other vocalists really sang in two bands? I, I don't. Off the top of my head, I didn't know at the time. Right. But uh, yeah, but then I discovered Melissa, and that became like such a freaking important album for me. And uh, you know, <clears throat> you know, I've seen I've seen him once in concert, and you know, I hope to see him again because uh, he put on he puts on such an show. You know, uh, I, it was at um, it was at Rockstar Man at Jones Beach. Uh, you saw him there? Yeah. Well, twenty five tickets. I couldn't say no. <laughs> <laughs> I saw him at BB uh, King's. I forgot what album was that for. I don't remember. Give me your soul, please. No, I think it was before that. House of God. No, it might have been uh, Abigail too. It's possible. Abigail two or uh, Puppet Master? Oh, maybe it was Puppet Master. I think it was That's Puppet. the last time I saw him. Well, other than that Institute show where they only played one song and the album ain't even out yet. <clears throat> My buddy, has- I'm the leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a brutal movie. That was brutal, man. My buddy actually yeah. saw Ozfest uh, 08 in Texas when King Diamond came out and did Merciful Fate with Metallica. He said that was pretty awesome. Um, just real quick, since I have this out and Ralph mentioned how brutal it is. Um, quick story behind this. The reason there was these little giveaway figures and shit like this and that the Riri and the little kid are so such prominent characters in it. It was originally supposed to be a children's horror movie, like Ernest Scared Stupid. But when they sent it into Vidmark, they were like, oh, fuck, no, we're hiring you more special effects guys. And you're going to record a bunch of gore scenes for this. And we're going to release it as an adult movie because we are not listening to the parents because of how that thing looks. (laughs) I I, I really didn't think that movie was going to be as brutal as it was. I was pretty surprised. I loved it. Oh, me too. Dude, and uh, some of the stupid parts are the best, too. Like when he's fucking riding after him on that tricycle. Yeah. Yeah. But And then one of the most ridiculous things ever. I mean, you can say what you want about catchphrases, but when he stabs that cop in the eye with the nightsticks and then runs away saying, fiddle... Fiddle dee diddle dee dee, a leprechaun is me. <laughs> that's, that's your rules, line. Now I have to watch it. Yeah, that's another movie I've never seen. I saw bits and pieces of it. I never watched the whole thing. Wasn't there a leprechaun too? Yeah. There, and a like three and a four. Oh, fuck. There's four parts. I got to catch up. I think, I think it's five, four. actually. There's, the, there's leprechaun in the hood. Okay. There's, <laughs> yes, I there's six original movies and two <laughs> remakes. Craig, we were supposed to do a leprechaun shooting. We just never did that. Yeah, we didn't. I, I forget <laughs> why. Because you guys are lazy. That's why. Well, I just found this, so we can do That's it. That's awesome. <laughs> if you guys I actually had to send away for this. It was advertised <laughs> with the video. 
<laughs> I, and I love how those arms are extra long and shit. Yep. And He's got little pieces of gold in his head. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Dude. If it can't get any cooler than that, throw some gold in his hand. <laughs> my, my mom was so pissed when that thing showed up because when I ordered it, I ordered it COD, so there was no way she couldn't give the mailman the ten bucks. Then oh. <laughs> she opens it up and she's like, "What the fuck, Greg?" <laughs> <laughs> you gotta tell it. He's Don't order anything it. else COD. <laughs> If you guys want to check out a really funny horror comedy from the 80s, I suggest a movie called Blood Diner. It's practically like a, a remake of uh, Blood Feast, but done like 1987 style. Very, very funny. And because it's an 80s film... Um... <sighs> shit. Yes. Who's, who's the lead chick in that? Her oh, name's... Uh, I mean, there's no name actors in there. I mean, it's it's a B movie. No, 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 no. She's in other B movies, though. Um, I just can't think of her name, but I've seen her in other movies. I don't know. It's been a long time since I've seen Blood Diner. Well, it's on YouTube, so you can watch it there. Very funny. I, I believe it's on YouTube. It's a very... I don't know if you guys have ever seen this. It's not a horror movie. It's a dark, dark comedy called Death Row Game Show. Yeah, I've wow. seen that. That movie yes. rules, man. Yeah, It's really, it really funny. You know, uh, I won't give none away, but man, funniest, it's, it's funniest warped. movies you guys will ever see. It's got nothing to do with horror, but it came out in the 80s. It was based off of a sketch from ABC's Fridays, if anybody even I love that. Fridays, yeah. Jekyll and Hyde together I again. I have it love on Blu-ray. Movie. I have it on Blu-ray, man. Me too. That movie is godly. Uh, Eleven. Yeah. <laughs> his, his fucking cocaine nail comes out and shit. <laughs> the best part ever. I'm shopping for you, my love. We'll make the white of love right here. Not here. What do you think this is? A Kmart? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Actually, talking about this, I think I already know the uh, subject of my next episode. My top ten favorite trauma movies. <laughs> hey, nice. you know that Thrasher dies in two of them. Yes, uh, Return really? to Newcomb High Part 1 and Thank Return you. to Return to Newcomb High, a.k.a. Volume 2. Yeah. I yeah. I, uh, I uh, donated a Kickstarter on that. My autographed wow. Blu-ray finally came in. Awesome. And I remember when, when, the, when the intro came on and the title comes up and what's going on comes up like, it's up! It's up! It's up! Yeah. <laughs> on the first thing you hear in the movie, what's going on? Yes. That's Dude, awesome. Dude, you, you're immortalized with Lemmy. Congratulations. Yeah. That's Lemmy awesome. Lemmy and Ron Jeremy are both in a movie with Thrasher Guy. How awesome is that? <laughs> no, 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 no. Lemmy. Um, well, no, no, not Lemmy. Ron Jeremy's in a movie with you. Oh, okay. <laughs> Lemmy, Lemmy just. I'm in a movie with us. Lemmy. <laughs> Ralph, would, do you, um, what kind of stuff do you like to collect? Because this is. This is something I'd like to send you, knowing that. But all you could ever do is display it. You'd never be able to play You're it. You're not going to send him the Jamie Gillis human toilet bowl video, are you? No, I'm going to send him my original Betamax cassette of Class of Nukem High Part One. No way! In the long box. Ah, oh, dude, thank you so much. That'd be awesome. You know the guy that wrote the original Nukem High because we did the cover of it. Dealing with that guy, you think the guy wrote Sarah to Heaven. He was, <laughs> such, he was such a pain in the ass. And in the end, 
him, he's like, I don't like your version, but Lloyd likes it. So I guess I'm going to have to do it. And then he fucking, he calls me and I didn't, I didn't uh, answer the phone. I saw it was him. I was like, oh man, I don't want to talk to this dude. Shit was already okay. He left me this long voicemail going, I want you to listen to this. And he played his answer machine. And Lloyd Coffin goes, you better sign the fucking papers right now to give us the right to play Trash or Die's version, you motherfucker. And, uh, and then he gets back on the phone. And on the phone and he says, you see what you're putting me through? I go, thank God I didn't answer the phone. The guy's a douche. Oh, Ethan Hunt. That's no, fucking awesome. That guy's a fucking asshole. <laughs> What? But yeah, you know, you know how he got in the movie. Lloyd Kaufman's personal assistant saw Thrasher Die Live, and then oh, he, really? yeah, and then he sent me an email going, "I just saw your band last night. I was, I, I loved you guys so much. Would you be willing to be part in the trauma movie Return of Newcomb High?" And I was like, "Yeah." And I know my drum, my drummer's the biggest trauma fan, so I run, I, I call him, I go, "Dude, check out this email." He's like, "Oh my god!" And then we met Lloyd Kaufman at one of those Comic Con things. And he signed our poster. You guys are music geniuses. <laughs> no, oh, yeah. awesome. Did the trauma rep see you in Florida, or were you on tour on the East Coast? No, we were in Fort Lauderdale. It was a local show, and he mm-hmm. was there. And he didn't come up to me at the show. He wrote me an email after. He wrote at the Thrasher Die email that I saw you guys last night and uh, was wondering if you would wouldn't mind writing a song for Return of Nickham High. And then I wrote him back because my drummer said, "Dude, we should." write a song for it and also do the original so i asked him hey would you mind if we do the original version he's like yeah do it so we did it and that's when this dude got involved because he needed to give the rights to our version of beyond and he heard it he was horrified you guys suck and i'm like man your version is so dated and not valid i like it but i like it for the wrong reason it's fucking terrible but in a good way. It, it's terrible and cheesy. It's, it, it's yeah. a great B-movie opening exactly. song. But and the yeah. way you think, what's going on? And then I come like a demented fucking, like a leprechaun. What's going on? <laughs> I got to admit, there's two songs on the original soundtrack that I, I do love. One is Run For Your Life by Stratus, because Clyde Burr was the drummer. Oh, wow. And the other one was Angel by GMT, which is uh, Chris Glenn of uh, Alex Harvey and Michael Schenker with Robin McCauley, and that's Phil Taylor on drums. And Stratus also has Dennis Stratton on lead guitar. No, it's not Dennis Stratton. It was uh, it was the, the Knorr brothers from Praying Mantis and Bernie Shaw, who's currently the lead singer in Uriah Heep. Is that who was on the album? That's who's on the original uh, Stratus album, Throwing Shapes. Although later, I know you're talking about because later on, uh, Stratton did play shows as a member of Praying Mantis. And Deano actually came out and played with him. Yeah, that's not what I'm talking about, though. Stratton did something with Burr at one point, but I don't remember what it is now. But uh, yeah, that was Live at Last, Live in Japan. That's a fucking cool album. Oh, yeah, I have the CD Praying Mantis with Deano and Stratton. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I have that. I have that on CD. I saw Dennis Stratton once at a festival in uh, Tampa with Al Atkins on vocals. <laughs> wow. Which is pretty rare. That's By the way, before we yeah. go back into the uh, uh, the discussion on uh, conspiracy, I don't know how accurate the statement is because I saw it on Wikipedia. 
KK Downing is on conspiracy? Okay, then somebody lied on uh, on Wikipedia, but that's what it's there for. All lies. We well, talked to Pete Black about that, and I can't remember what where to, I don't even uh, know where that came from. Man, but he said um, no. It was it's. I think he they wanted him maybe it, to be on it. They they wanted him to be on it, and I think he said they were both bands were recording like in studios that were close to each other or in. Well, it's Sangaritas who uh, produced Conspiracy, and a year later, he produced Painkiller. So, yeah, yeah, I, mean, I think that's where the connection probably would have been if it's true that Downing was on it. But that's why I thought I'd ask before we go into the next side. No, he wasn't actually on it, but we do we did talk to Pete about it in the interview. It's just been a while since we did it. I can't remember what mm-hmm. he said. You'll have to watch the show, Lou. I will, because <laughs> I'm on it. That's right. <laughs> All right. Welcome to this broadcast belongs to them. I said it right in the first try. Wow. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Great? Good. Great. All right. We are now on the side two. Great. 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 <laughs> Get a close up of that hand. Get a close up of the hand. Yeah, the, the pimp hand. He's got, he's got nice. gold in the hands. And the leprechaun. Sorry. <laughs> no. no, dude. <laughs> All right. Side two starts off with the wedding dream. King's mother enters his dream, and she's in a wedding dress. The doctor intends to marry mother, but King has to stop it because the doctor is the enemy. In his hands, he's got the key to the house. The doctor is the devil. At sunrise, King wakes up in a sweat and doesn't understand what any of that means. Uh, I like this song. It's a good uh, beginning to side two. Um, I don't know. I don't got much to say about this one, but it's cool. It's got you know good chorus, good verses, good guitar work. Like every song in this fucking album. So, who wants to go next? I'm gonna let somebody pick. Go, Greg. Uh, somebody else should go first because I don't really remember <laughs> this song off the no! top of my head. <laughs> what's your What's your favorite line off of this, Ralph? Is there, is there a line? Uh, hmm, let me think. I'm trying to I don't think there is one. Uh, yeah, I can't think of a, if there was a line in this one. Uh, <clears throat> I, I do love the part where it goes. My favorite part is like in the middle where you know that now everything turns to darkness. Mm-hmm. That riffage going on during it is just fucking amazing. I love the song. I love how the beginning blends. Here comes the bride to like this morbid feel. <clears throat> and uh, it, it, I think it's a kick-ass song. I think the second part is even better than the first part, and I love the first part. You know, it, it does change. You know, it's almost like two different songs in one, mm-hmm. but both parts are great, but I like the second part more. That's what oh, I think. Now I'm trying to remember this okay. song. Um, Th- well, that's, that's what I couldn't remember if there was an intro and then a song, but no, it is the same song. It's just different. Yeah, that is cool how they do that, though. Yeah, it starts with the uh, the uh, wedding organ type uh, beginning. Yeah, the wedding march. Yeah. It starts off with. Yeah. It's a dream that he's having of his mom marrying Dr. Landau, right? Yeah. Yeah. Did you just not listen to me? I just run over which, the song. Which uh, always <laughs> frustrated me listening to this song when I was younger because, you know, King is such a great storyteller and such a great lyricist. He describes his dream in detail. But his character can't figure out what the dream means, really. Your mother's marrying your psychiatrist in your dream, bud. Come on now. That's bad. And you I, hate his breath. 
<laughs> not one, not two, but the whole six pack. <laughs> now you hate your mom's breath because they tongue each other. <laughs> I used to not like this song because I used to hate that wedding intro. And I hated how they went from the wedding intro, then it went to the heavy part, and then went back to the wedding intro. And I used to hate that. Now it's grown on me. No, I, I love it. It's just so demented. I like it now. Lou, I didn't get to you yet. Go ahead. Two, two things. One, the first eight seconds, the wedding march reminds me of my wedding day. Oh. Secondly, <laughs> I hope it was better. <laughs> my wife should have come out to that. It would have been perfect. Yeah, right. <laughs> In the church, that would be great. Two, when I think of Dr. Landau, I can't help but think he looks like Squiggy from Laverne and Shirley. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, great song, great staccato riffing, and uh, you know, just just again, you know, it's uh, this is where I really started to praise the uh, rhythm section of Hal Patino and Mickey D. Um, I was just something about the uh, uh, the rhythm in this. In, in this song, as I was listening to the album, that just really made me take notice. I was like, God damn, it's a tight rhythm section. And, you know, that's not taking away anything from the uh, first uh, from the first side. It's just, I don't know, just something just woke in me. And uh, it's, it's just good shit, you know? So, yeah. yeah. A lot of great guitar stuff on this album. Even you know, with just Pete Black and Andy LaRock, they were like, they were really a great team. You know, yeah. King was uh, the uh, guitarists. Yeah, it's it's funny you say Squiggy Lou because I always imagine Doctor Landau looking like Terry O'Quinn and the Stepfather. He oh, seems the Stepfather. Like, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, he see, he seems like he'd be super eighties looking in the psychiatrist tree like that. Possibly. Yeah. But uh, these villains, I just can't help but think and balding. Because it's eighties. Hey, I didn't say the ball saved. That was great. Well, it's, it it fits if you think about what he looked like in the movie, though. I don't know. I've never seen the movie. I'm terrible. You've at never movies. seen. When you guys bring up movies, no, I, I, I haven't think. either. So I should watch that one too. Wow, really? You would really like the first one, Ralph. That's okay, I'll check it out. I, I've been renting off Netflix, you know, because of this this whole. Shut make sure bullshit. you watch the one from 1987. Yeah, I do. Okay, from fucking What is it like a horror movie? Yeah, slasher okay. movie. All right, cool. I'll check it out. Hope it's on Netflix. If not, I have my means. I, I know some... it's on Prime, but I'm not sure if it's on Netflix. Yeah, I no, but I rent off Netflix. I actually, rent movies from it. So oh, okay. Hopefully, right. it's there. You I, you know, I also have Netflix where I can watch. Oh, okay. I do both. Amon belongs to them. King's mother returns to the house she brought the doctor. King's mother returns to the house. She brought the doctor, but King would not allow him in the house because he belonged to Amon. King tells his mother he's seen Missy in the house, and all of a sudden his mother injects him with the needle, and King is pulled down. I got a story. I got a story. 1990, I got a picture of A friend of mine in school told me to check out the eye. I was just getting into heavy metal, so I wasn't really sure what I was doing. I got the eye, and I'm like, alright, it's okay, but his voice is like really pitchy, and it's just weird. The drums are weird, there's all electronics, just kind of, it's okay. It, it eventually grew up. So then I was like, alright, well now I like it. Now I gotta go backwards, get what other albums pick up some spirit. I like it, but I'm also, at the time, since I'm just getting into metal, 
the whole devil when I was young was probably like, uh, nine, nine, ten years old or whatever. So I wasn't sure about singing music about the devil, and especially my mother's, uh, one of my mother's friends was very religious. And she saw like Guns N' Roses had that album cover with the skulls on it and everything, and then uh, then with these albums, with the, especially the eye, with the, on the back cover with got the burning witch. And, you know, she sees all those things. She's like, you know, this is all devil stuff, and maybe you shouldn't be listening to this kind of stuff. So that kind of put all the things in my head, you know? So I'm listening to Conspiracy, and uh, the song before the wedding dream, he starts talking about Dr. Landau is the devil. And I'm like, the devil? Oh, man. What the hell am I, you know, what am I listening to here, you know? So then I get to I this guess song. the young Wayne hadn't heard of a metaphor at that point. No, right? no, it was young, ten years old. What do I know? That's what he metaphor. <laughs> <All right. laughs> so I get to this song, and at the end of the song, he starts saying, "Oh, I feel the needles piercing my skin." So, for some reason, I don't know why, it freaked the shit out of me. I took the cassette, I ripped it out of the cassette player, and I tore it apart, and I tore all the pieces apart, and I broke the cassette in half. I took the booklet, and I broke the booklet, and everything, and I threw the whole thing out. How many well, hell congr- marries, Wayne? Congratulations, Wayne. You're not going to hell now. I'm not going <laughs> to hell. I'm still here. Nothing's going to God forgives you now for listening to King Diamond. But the, only thing I, the, the one thing I did keep, though, even though I, I ripped the whole thing apart, I, I made sure I kept the artwork, that little that picture with the, uh, you know, at the graves thing or whatever. Because I thought that was cool. I said, if I had to keep anything, I have to keep that. But, so am I on oh, like like the E train yeah. to hell then? Because when I heard Hell Awaits, I went out and bought another Slayer album, right? <laughs> I definitely the didn't subject. destroy the tape. Change the subject for one second, Greg. You just brought up Hell Awaits. You know how I ended up buying Hell Awaits? I was living in California at the time, and I'm in a bus going to a record store wondering, what do I, what do I want to buy? And, and we stopped at a bus stop, and in the park bench, somebody carved. Slayer, hella weights. I was like, "That's a sign. I'm gonna buy that." And I ended up buying that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, what a great album. Hey, what can I say? You know, I was young. I'm, I'm not as fortunate as you. Like you, you Ralph, you you bought the the, the first EP because you liked that album cover. You like that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, but you know, I was you know, too young. I, I was, I was. I mean, I'm old as fuck, dude. Uh, when That's I bought true, that EP, too. I was like 16 already. So, so you had you already know, been over there. I mean, I was, dude, my brother owned Paranoid. He played Electric Funeral. We shared a be- bedroom. I'd run out of the room. I, if I keep hearing this song, I'm going to hell. <laughs> it was even worse in the early 70s as far as Satanic Panic. Yeah. I mean, you talk about God-fearing in the 70s, yeah. the way I was raised. You know, I was a little kid. It's just like I was just so God-fearing. And I didn't even have that big of a religious family. We, yeah, you know, I my mom was very religious, but we never went to church. She has her own way of being religious. But, but yeah, I was very afraid of the unknown. And then, yeah, by the time, you know, rebellion kicked in, all I wanted, now, when I read that Venom album, you know, with, you know, the priest drinking the vomit, I cannot leave this record store without this. You know, I just, just wanted to find the most demented, evil shit ever, you know. But when I was young, believe me, Wayne, I would have I would have done the same thing with that with that yeah. cassette, you know. <laughs> all right, good. I don't feel so bad then. But uh, I, I got it back after all these years. What, Lou? Oh, uh, to piggyback on what you were saying, I mean, uh, I guess you could say I grew up in similar circumstances. I mean, I went to Sunday school for nine years. I taught Sunday school for three years, <laughs> but uh, thankfully, I had uh, two older brothers who were able, you know, uh, to 
to say, you know what, you can believe in God and still like the music right. that you like, and who gives a shit what other people say? So, like, you know, here I am, 39 years old. I still adhere to a lot of the Christian principles that I grew up, uh, you know, being um, uh, raised with. I don't want to say indoctrinated with because, you know, I I do believe in it. And it's how I live my life. And I only speak for myself. I don't speak for anybody else. But uh, it doesn't take away my love for the music and appreciating it as an art form. And, you know, listen, if it wasn't for my brothers, I wouldn't have discovered like all the bands that I idolize. I mean, Ralph, like you, Sabbath is my favorite band of all time too. You know, there's also Priest, there's also, um, you know, there's Metallica, there's Kiss, you know. We're really into the black metal thing, although funny story behind that, I I don't want to deviate from Conspiracy because I want to talk about the song, but like I didn't discover black metal until I was 15 years old. I was on vacation in Greece with my family and I picked up an issue, one issue of Terrorizer, and another issue of Metal Hammer. Now, these magazines hadn't made their way to the States yet. I know Metal Hammer eventually did. Terrorizer never did. And there's pictures of black metal bands in there. Dudes in, like, corpse paint making faces like this at the <laughs> camera. I'm like, what the fuck is this? And, like, you know, it's saying bands like Cradle of Filth and Demo Borgir. And I'm like, I need to listen to this. It looks so ridiculous, but I need to listen to it. And then two years later, working at the college radio station, you know, Nuclear Blast and um, Necropolis Records and uh, who was uh, Cradle of Filth signed to at the time? It wasn't Music for Nations. It was uh, Mayhem. So they started sending me all this stuff and I'm just like, you know, ah, I like it, you know. So, you know, it's it's fine to listen to the music and, you know, not worry about, you know, what the big band upstairs says, you know, it's how you treat people that matters, not what you uh, listen to. I'm not the most, I'm not the most religious guy, but you know, I have read the Bible, and uh, there is a very, you know, to be a true, I think, Catholic or Christian, or whatever, you can't judge anybody. Right. Yeah, you know, that's that's you know, so when yeah. you see some a religious person judging somebody, you're going against God's law. So you yeah. know, no, I have a very living love that man. Yeah, you have to live, you know, that's the best thing the Bible says. Don't judge anybody, you know? Yeah. Only God can judge. So don't judge me when I say this. Amon Belongs to Them is my favorite song on the album. (laughs) Oh, but I don't mind going to hell. I'm going to judge you. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, wait, we kind of of named the show after this song, so it's okay. Ah, didn't think of that, but then again, I'm very slow. Yeah. So musically, the song just reminds me of why I love King Diamond, uh, both solo and with Merciful Fate, because uh, he doesn't write conventional music, and I like that lack of convention. Uh, there's a lot to take in, and in my opinion, a song like this succeeds where a lot of prog bands miss the mark, mm-hmm. you know, because King doesn't uh, sacrifice songwriting and storytelling, which I think is very important, especially in a genre like metal. Uh, tempo changes, you know, no match for the sheer brilliance of the song. It's tied, and and if anything, the chorus just brings it all in because it's so damn catchy. Yeah. And uh, keyboards add to it. So take that, Eddie Trunk. Fuck you. Anyway, <laughs> Ralph. Uh, my favorite line uh, when he says, "You see, Amon belongs to that." And the way he says them, it's so fucking cool, you know. And you know, it's not all over the place like lies, but it still has a little, you know, 
little disjointedness to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, but it's not overkill. No, you know, like lies. You know, I dig the song. I love also how it ends with you know, oh, I feel the needles and pins. I'm falling. I'm falling down. That yeah, that yeah, ending is, is so cool. Yeah. I dig the song. It's awesome. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Greg, great song. All right, next. A lot of uh, I really liked it, uh, the time changes and shit in this one, and how it jumps between the different parts of the song. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was something else I wanted to say too. Before, yeah. um, as I got a- after I broke the tape and everything, and then I finally got over all that bullshit, I started watching King Diamond videos. And actually, King Diamond was on Headbangers Ball not too much longer after I started getting into him. I, could, I, I think uh, it was around the same time Russell Fake got back together. Yeah, in the Shadows right. interview, that's the only yeah. time he was on there. Yep. So then I saw the interview, and I'm like, you know what, this guy's pretty cool, and that's what got me back into it again. And also his philosophy on like pretty much life. And I know he's like uh, like a satan- Satanist, but Levian Satanist more as a philosophy than a religion, right? So once I heard him like kind of talk about that, and then it made me feel more, uh, I guess, more. Um, I don't even know the word, but at peace with his. Uh... I guess, yeah, yeah, at peace with the way he writes and what he writes about and stuff like that. And and you know, nothing's going to happen to you just listening to whatever, but. That's what made me get back into King Diamond, just seeing how what he what he what he believes in, and I, I kind of go that same route as well. You know, I'm not a Satanist or anything, but I kind of believe in that same kind of ideology. I also want to clarify because uh, I know there's going to be some King Diamond people saying, "Oh, he's been on Headbangers Ball more than that," yeah. but that was the only time he was interviewed on Headbangers right. Ball. Yeah. He was right. there on yeah. he hosted during Abigail and them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. during the Abigail one, he's like, "Mary had a little lamb. <laughs> I got a scary tale to tell you." <laughs> I'm King Diamond here, hosting on the Headbangers Ball, and I got a nasty little story to read to you. Listen carefully. Mary had a little lamb. His fleece was white as snow, and everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. And we got more videos coming up now. Faster Pussycat, Death Flavor, and Motorhead. He's probably so also good. on the uh, British um, Headbangers Ball with uh, Vanessa Warwick a lot. Yeah. Because, you and, know, and the Spanish one during uh, Into the Unknown. I got to ask, though, did anybody ever... Was this the album that he did an interview with Joe Franklin? No, that was Abigail. That was Abigail. And, yeah, I'll that was the Abigail. craziest thing. I was home. Flipping the channels, and all of a sudden, it. I see King Diamond, and I hear in the background uh, a rival. I'm like, "Whoa!" Because this was before <laughs> the Family Ghost interview. I grabbed the videotape, I put it in, and I got like the last half of it. But still, it was like historic. Going, goddamn King Diamond on TV. Then soon I'm after, Joe they nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, from Joe Franklin of all people. And Joe Franklin was. Uh, he had like a. Goddamn. Yeah, it was like, you know, some weird fucking cable show type thing. But I, I got, it was on Channel 9 or something in New York, which is part of my cable system. But, mm-hmm. yeah, that was during the Abigail era, actually, yeah. That's a clarifying. Good thing to bring that up now. I could have added it to the last video with Abigail. And now on YouTube, I, the full <laughs> version is there. I've lived forever with half that interview. Yeah. And then you see, like, there's an old man sitting next to him. And Joe Franklin's like, he's an interesting character, isn't he? The guy's like perplexed, going, "Yeah, he's good." And they're both going, "What the <laughs> fuck did I just hear?" <laughs> he sings like a canary. <laughs> I'm sure he was thinking, "Yeah." Uh, next, we get into something wicked. It's just a 
I don't even. I guess it's kind of an instrumental. It's not really doesn't really do anything. It just leads into the next song. Not like I, the other instrumentals. Uh, it's an eerie instrumental. I think yeah. it fits the story. It's got like this classical elements, creepy keyboard, and like that volume knob on the guitar making the sound. It, like violins, or maybe it is violins. I'm it not sure, violence, but okay. violin guitar. So. But, I thought he was, I, I dig it for what it is. I thought he was doing the same thing Eddie was doing on Cathedral with uh, the volume yeah, knob. That's what I was play. thinking too. Yeah, yeah. Giving it that, but it, it also has a violin sound. You know, mm-hmm. I think there is actual violins, and what he does with the knobs sounds like violins. So I think they mm-hmm. combine both. I believe. Then we get to pretty much the final song on the album, uh, Victimized. Later in the day, Mother and the Doctor went away and left King lying on the floor. They headed for a local church where they met Samael. The Doctor asked Samael if he knew King, the loony one, on the hill. Samael remembered and believed everything the Doctor told him, and he thought King was the devil himself, or evil, or an evil demon. So they had to go and do what must be done, with a crucifix in his hand. I really like this song. It's a great, um, since it's the only last song with the, with lyrics to it, it, it's a really great song with uh, the, the chorus, uh, great uh, melodies, uh, great riffs, drums, just uh, all around, just an awesome song. Great way to end the album for me. Yeah, you know, it starts with a riff that would make Tony Iommi proud, man. That that musical, yes. that, yeah. that riff is so yeah. good, you know, and uh, it's got some impressive changes and... Uh, you know, like that other song I was saying, I, I like the second half more of this song where he's like, you know, when right right when he starts, like, you know, uh, the second time he says uh, conspiracy, I've been victimized again, conspiracy, mm-hmm. you know, from then on, that's my favorite part of this song. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, love it. Craig? I agree. The second half of the song in the cremation is just fucking great. Yeah. Lou? Yeah. Uh, this is the first where, for me, the lyrics supersede the music in the song, where it's like, oh, really? to me, it's like the, the music actually is the perfect backdrop to the lyrics, but the lyrics are what you need to be listening to more so than the music, but that's not to take away from the song in general, it's just, it's, you know, uh, victimizes probably the closest get you get to a title track, uh, Conspiracy, so of course that would make sense that the lyrics here are what make you, uh, what makes it stand out more so than the music. But again, not taking anything away from it. It's just, um, that's just how it is in my opinion, but still chilling and awesome and worthy to be on this album and telling the continuing story of them. Yeah. I'm surprised you don't have a favorite line in this song, Ralph. Uh, I like the, you know, I'm being victimized again, victimized that that part. I was going to say if you like that. Oh no. What, what, what's interesting is I kind of am the opposite of Lou here. I think the riffs in the song are actually more interesting than the lyrics to this one. Really? Not that I dislike any of it, but yeah. <laughs> I definitely like Victimized a little bit better musically than... Uh, I'm lyrics. telling you, that opening riff is fucking god. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool, though. Yeah. Cremation. Uh instrumental all the way through. Uh King says at the end of it, Whenever the dark is near, I'll be I will return from the grave to haunt you, God forsaken whore. Did we talk about so uh let it be done? 
No, we oh, did not. Whoops, we did not. Whoops, hold on. Let me. That's what you. I'm here for. Sorry. Neither a song nor an instrumental, but an interlude. <laughs> you know what? I, I went past interlude. It. Next, we get to let it be done. Uh, this this song fucking creeped me out too. This was also another reason why I ripped this fucking cassette up because this just scared the living <laughs> shit out of me. Uh, the priest and the doctor put King into a coffin and prepare to have him cremated. He's, the uh, priest suggests the doctor and his wife-to-be uh, to set the, the coffin on fire. When the fucking the, the harpsichord thing was playing in the background, and then you hear that, oh, sound, I'm like, what the fuck? And I had headphones on, and I just I remember it so vividly. It just fucking creeped me out so much. But that's why I like King Diamond, because he can do that to you. Fucks you with your mind. Eat your heart out, Stephen King. Yeah. But it's a cool, I, I, it's a really cool uh, little thing in between these songs. Ralph. Uh, well, uh, I did mention this in the last episode, but I didn't go into it. How King Diamond almost got killed. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, and it was during this song, because in this song during the, the thing, they put him in a coffin and light the coffin on fire. So the guy that was in charge of that, for whatever reason, wasn't there and they got somebody else. Mm-hmm. And when they put King in there, he could smell the gas and he couldn't get out. Oh, wow. Oh, and he shit. was freaking out and he ended up like at the last minute, you know, getting, you know, breaking out. He fucked up the show for everybody going, what the hell? What the <laughs> hell is that about? But, you know, I mean, they were supposed to burn him alive. Then it opens and there's a skeleton. Yeah. In there. yeah. But yeah, that was, uh, he came close to death on that because they were about to torch it and he couldn't get out of the box. You wow. know, his little magic trick. And uh, but anyway, as far as this song, I love it. I love you know, so into the coffin, use the torch, and you know, or, or what did it put the remains into his sister's grave? You know, yeah, yeah. it's so fucking cool. So I, I yeah, I love that little spoken word with the creepy music to go along with it. It's very yeah. short but very effective. I think it's so sinister sounding yeah. the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Oh, and that, and then at the end when it gets quiet and then it goes. Da-da! Got that, like, yeah, it, yeah, it, it kind of like that phone up. call thing, that little right. effect, like, bang! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lou. Um, didn't really have much to say about it. I mean, it's not a song or an instrumental, an interlude, Greg. Gregory, I just said what I had to say. Oh, no, 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 because you said interlude <laughs> when I said that, and I thought that was oh. a nice touch. Oh, anyways, moving along, uh, creepy as god damn it i quit (laughs) Uh, creepy as fitting for king diamond where his death and disposal of his remains come to light next song (laughs) cremation basically just a uh, instrumental another instrumental it's kind of weird this album ends kind of like with three oh no uh, the instrumental never mind forget what i just said let me redo that over what go ahead or were you going to sneeze? Bless you. No, I wasn't going to sneeze. I was going to say not, not, not so much that there's, uh, uh, well, I forget what you, anyway, um, <laughs> he, he, he really gives the band uh, a bigger chance to shine on this. I feel like there's longer instrumental passages than there were on a, a previous solo record. I was trying to look up something because there was I was reading something earlier and I wish I would have saved it uh, where King Diamond actually got that uh, coffin trick from somebody he bought it from somebody that whole trick don't be too impressed about that 
Uh, I well, I, I was thinking of something else, but <laughs> it you... had nothing to do with King Diamond. It was I don't know. Gene Simmons's mentor, but yeah, Amazo yeah, the got, magician. Yeah, in case you were curious, guy taught him how to fire breathe. Yeah, I mean, how do you buy a trick from someone? I mean, it's not like they own a patent on the trick, do they? You can't right. do that. No, I, I think he means like he bought the false bottom coffin from. Ah, uh, all right, yeah. I wish I would have because because like, like a lot of illusionists that are real uh, uh, famous or popular in that field actually make that shit for other people. Mm. Right, right. All right. Uh, cremation. Just another instrumental, and at the end, King says, "Whenever the dark is near, I'll return from the grave to haunt you, godforsaken whore." Or could I don't you know that, that I would. Could you do that better? Can you say Godforsaken Whore better than I can? Godforsaken Whore! Better. That's my version. I That's can't good. do it like it. That's good. What are we saying, Greg? Well, first of all, whores, he's got the gold. You know, <laughs> let's get him. What um, do you think I, of cremation? I was going to say, just another instrumental. That almost sounds like no, it's a great it instrumental. Off. I no, think, not brushing uh, it off dude. at all. This is some of the best guitar interplay between Andy and Pete on the whole record, man. They really shine on this. And this is actually probably uh, my favorite moment to watch on the bootleg live video I have. It's just it's, it's so fucking intense with the two of them playing together while the coffin's burning. And uh, That's cool. No, I like this song a lot. I like this instrument. It's, cool. it's, it's a very great repetitive. ending for the album, but, especially. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a great ending for the album, and also too, I would imagine because I never saw it live, never saw him do it live, so I would imagine it would be better seeing it live. Oh yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's thing. I I love it. I love you know how you know the, the guitar there, you know the thing, but it, uh, they also throw in the boom, boom. They give it that more epic feel to it, it's... and it and it also has like this twisted keyboard woven through it through the metal. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, you know, and I love, you know, then, you know, just the way it ends with that open note and the line, you know, the, yeah. Yeah. you know, where the dark is near. It's just so fucking awesome. Yeah. And then, like, even after that, it comes back like, you know, it comes mm-hmm. back it's fucking badass. I love it. It's a, it's a great. What's the word? Crescendo. Is that the word I'm looking for for the album? You know, go for that. Yeah, I love I'll it. It's a great yeah, I think thing. it's crescendo. Yeah. yeah, it's great crescendo to the album. Love it. Lou. Uh, personally, uh, like, like the instrumental a lot. And one thing I think we failed to mention, I don't know if this is going to be mentioned after the album, but I have to give all the credit in the world to Chris Sangaritis, who did a great job producing it to make it sound the way that it did. And, of course, the following year, you know, Painkiller from Priest came out, which, again, I think shows why he was the in-demand producer at the time. As far as cremation is concerned, it's the perfect final nail in the coffin, no pun intended, for the album. And closing that chapter of them. So what happens next? We don't I know. I don't know. Do you think there could be a part three? Anybody? Hmm. Well, of they him, kill, of they him coming. Him. Well, well, they kill him, but Grandma came back. Missy came back. He can come I think I think it would have to be done in such a way where the house is being transferred to possibly a distant relative or something like that, and then they move in and 
possibly King shows up first, but then then co- them comes back. Maybe you could have it be. Yeah, I think that's how it worked the best. I mean, that's kind of basic as far as horror plots go. But it'd be awesome if they do do that, but they add the leprechaun. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> the last thing Landau sees before yeah. he dies. <laughs> leprechaun comes in and just fucks up them <laughs> and owns the house. That's how it should end. <laughs> yeah, and the ending line of the movie would be There once was a man from a dress Who had big balls made of fine brass And in stormy weather They both cried together And sparks flew out of his ass yeah. <laughs> Awesome uh, Right now that... I want to see a King Diamond Leprechaun death match <laughs> <laughs> uh, Whoever drowns in the pot of gold first loses <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lou, you want to tell people where they can listen to your show whenever you record them? Yes. So my podcast, Music is Life with Lou Mavs, it's out whenever I damn well feel like, but you can always hear it first on the Rat Style Review Network. And thank you again to Wayne for providing the platform for all of us to, well, do our thing. Uh, sorry to inform you, it's going to be your last uh, episode. Okay, I quit. You are fired. No, uh, I heard him say quit first. The All leprechaun's right. going to use Beat his one-time veto power to save <laughs> yeah. Lou. By, yeah. by the way, My leprechaun lifeline. I've got something for you, Wayne. It's made fresh daily every day at 9 o'clock. You can keep it in a crock. It comes from my shillelagh. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So it's going to be replaced by the Shamrock episode with the Leprechaun. <laughs> and Ralph, Ralph Vieira, where can uh, we find you? Uh, Vieira Vault, and uh, by the way, Wayne, I quit. See, uh, I didn't get oh, you the part. Damn it! Two of you. Uh, <laughs> uh, Vieira Vault on Speaker here on Rap Salad Reviews, YouTube, and uh, Apple Music. Uh, the Almost Human YouTube channel. It's Almost uh, Human 56. You always forget the 56. I, I took off the 56. You took off the 56. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. Where have you been, Wayne? He um, never told me. Ralph doesn't always yeah. tell me everything. Uh, I, I keep him in the dark. And uh, <laughs> Like a rainbow. The, doc, the Dr. Fuck show on that metal station, 8 p.m. every Thursday night. And my bands, uh, Thrasher Die, Combat, uh, Nutritional Yeast Infection coming soon. And uh, Old Leather. Old Leather is a really great project that was recorded. There were so many glitches with the recording. It couldn't get mixed. Well, I just got all the tracks together again. All I got to do is record my vocals, and it will be released. Very. That'll probably be the next thing that will be released. Uh, and uh, called Old Leather, and there's a song on there called Heavy Metal Suicide that if it ever becomes popular, I'm definitely going to jail. Because it's a pro-suicide song Listen to heavy metal and kill yourself And I have little uh, News, you know, little voices Of the 80s news like Ozzy Osbourne caused the death, Judas Priest It's such an awesome Catchy song that if I ever go to jail I know it was a success I just want to meet the lawyer That says uh, Ozzy said on uh, Suicide Solution Get the gun, get the gun, shoot, shoot, shoot shoot." I just want to slap him 
Oh, in there too. I added that in the song during the solo year. Get the gun, get the gun, shoot, 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 shoot. It's like take your life, heavy metal, suicide, do it now. I forgot how it went, but it's you know how all these songs in the 80s is like, oh, this song encourages to kill yourself. This song is blatantly telling you, (laughs) kill yourself, grab the gun, shoot your fucking and listen to some Ozzy, listen to some priest, put a bullet in your head because there's no better way to. Kill yourself then with heavy metal. Well, you know, <laughs> if, if anyone's dumb enough to do that, then natural selection is taking its course. That's yeah. right. Let's hope yeah. I get some dummies out there so I can get I success. <laughs> Great success. Can't wait. Well, go check out everybody's shows, our show, ratsoutreview.com, and stay tuned for our interview with Snowy Shaw. All right. And immediately following that, Jesse the Body Ventura and Leprechaun <laughs> Grudge Match. Let me tell you something. What do you do, brother, when these 24 inch pythons come I thought that to was, you? I don't think it that's Hulk Jesse Ventura. Hogan, but I don't have. <laughs> but I don't know what you're Ventura. talking about, McMahon. He didn't take nothing out of his shorts and hit him with anything. You're blind. <laughs> I thought that was Dr. D. David Schultz about to slap the Leprechaun. <laughs> I should, I, you know what I have you know what I have I wish I could bring out a, I can't see it now I have a Roddy Piper thumb wrestler <laughs> <laughs> I was somewhere here I admit I freaked out when uh, I first heard Fatal Fury and right in the breakdown just when you thought you had the answers I changed the questions, the questions yeah. a, lot like, people, a lot of people come it. up to me and go Dude, that's the best line ever. I was like, I ripped that off of Roddy Piper, you know. You know, a lot of people don't know. Then there's people like, you ripped off Roddy Piper. I go, I know. It's on purpose. You know, I love Roddy yeah. Piper. Homage. That's right. Yeah, it's a homage. And he, and you know, he was still alive when we, I recorded that. So Yeah. Because I know, oh, because he died, I did it. I love Roddy. Of course. All right. Go check out Best Snowy Show. We'll see you guys next week. Yes, he was. Smack him a gob. And you don't throw rocks at a guy with a machine gun. That's right. Bye. No, but you can throw them with bombs. Have fun, kids. Are you familiar with, of course you are, uh, Pledge Music, right? Oh, we were. They were kind of out of business. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's what I heard. I mean, uh, in the beginning, it was like people were very suspicious about, oh, this is just for unsigned crappy bands. But then you right. had Megan and Queensryche and all that doing that, which vouched for that being a good uh, forum, basically. And right. once they got a little bit... Um, uh, you know, uh, trustworthy, whatever you want to say. Uh, then they started to rip off people. You know, yeah. people reached their goal within the, the set time and all that, but they never paid it to the to the bands. And who gets to take the heat for it? Oh, it's the bands, of course. Oh, you fuckers! You didn't send us to see this. It's not us. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> yeah. yeah, that, that sucks. That's actually, um, Sean Peck, he uh, with his three tremors thing, he actually didn't get any money from French Music, and he sent all this stuff out. So how did he finance it then? I don't think he cared. I, I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to show him that. No, no. <laughs> but yeah, he sent it out. A lot of bands didn't, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's but. Tough. Yeah, but you you apply for that or do the, that kind of pledge campaign uh, to begin with to finance the, the pressing of the CDs or, or LPs or whatever it might be. So how can they send it out 
if they ripped him off. I mean, so, you know, so, maybe yeah. he had it all planned out to well, begin with. He needed that kind of a backup to begin with, so uh, otherwise he wouldn't have to do it or go through the whole pledge pledge campaign, I suppose. But, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. But he did it, so he's one of yeah, the yeah. few bands that did. Good for him. But, yeah, yeah. 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 How do you like working with him? Yeah, I only met him a couple of times. We hung out and had uh, some beers and stuff. Yeah, no, but I met him when he was with Death Dealer, right? That is mm-hmm. Ross Boss uh, sort of yep. like something. And uh, but when we've been doing this Denner Sherman albums, uh, I mean, I'm doing my drums in Sweden and they are in Denmark, <laughs> and he's in a in a, where does he live? California. California. Yeah, I lived in California. San Diego, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, So it's not like we get in together and and walk out. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't quite work like that anymore, you know? Yeah. Did the rest of the guys do that too? They all recorded their stuff where they were? Yeah, but I remember I was in the studio here in Gothenburg and Mickey D called me and he said, hey, hey, what's up? Yeah, I'm in the studio doing drums for Dennis Sherman. Uh, okay, so you're in Denmark. No, no. <laughs> no I'm just home, so I haven't even met the guys, so that's how it works. Oh, and wow. I was doing an interview with, uh, what, what is her name? Uh, uh, American lady, anyway. And she was like, wow, wasn't it cool to get together with the old guys and, you know, talk <laughs> memories and shit, old memories and stuff? Doesn't quite work like that anymore. You know, I don't <laughs> <laughs> Do you miss that kind of like uh, working together thing? <sighs> Not necessarily. I mean, this is very convenient to work like that. I've been doing albums with with people that I never met, like Rob Schaefer, you know, the singer and stuff. Mm-hmm. I played drums on his um, on his solo album, but okay. I, this day I never met him. You know, so wow, yeah. wow. that's weird. So weird. Kind of ruins the illusion for people that they think, wow, the cool guys getting together in a room. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. You know, and, and they record it all at the same time. Yeah, maybe in the 1940s. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's not how it works anymore. You know? Yeah, not at all. Well, what are you going to do, right? All right? Yeah, but I've been doing that too, of course, occasionally. But for the most part, I mean, people send you stuff and you do it on your own. On yeah. You got your own home uh, studio and everything there? or? Uh, yeah, I got my own home studio, but sometimes I go to if they, you know, and, and do the drums in another studio, or I've been doing bass with the studio Fredman, for example, if they prefer to have to work, and he's going to do the mix and all, and, and I go in there and do the bass and stuff. So, 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 so. It, all kinds of, yeah, it varies between yeah. projects, I suppose. Yeah, all right, very cool. Yeah. All right, well, let's get the uh, King Diamond stuff started. Uh, Welcome to Rat Cell Review. Today we have Snowy Shaw. Guest. What's hey up, Snowy? I never do that though. Yeah. Yeah, I never, <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't like doing that either. Yeah. <laughs> Hello there. Yeah. All right. So you were involved with uh, Merciful Fate and King Diamond, both projects at uh, one point. And um you started well actually how did you uh what got you into uh king diamond's music like what were your maybe your favorite song that got you into him or uh it actually started when uh maybe in 82 83 maybe me and my best buddy charlie was a guitar player and i played the drums and you know when you're 
when you're like that age and metal was kind of new and all that, you were like a sponge and open for everything and listening to everything. And, and I was trying to find the heaviest shit I could find, right. you know, and it was maybe Anvil or Man War or Riot or whatever it was. Like yeah. you were due to the more underground bands, not just Saxon and Armaid and all that. So anyway, right. I stumbled onto this Metal Massacre uh, compilation metal album of up-and-coming bands and it was apparently it was metal blade records i didn't know that then but there were a lot of unheard of new bands and um, it was an american uh, record so so there was a lot of yeah whatever it was lizzie borden for example was there and i think mm-hmm. and 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 it was a lot of screams from the grave from abattoir and all those bands who okay yeah. about after that but i when I listened to that album, I really liked one specific song, and uh, it was "Oh Hell <laughs> kind of shit. You know, so I was like, "Wow, this is a really catchy song." And I just assumed they were Americans, of course. And right. back then, way, way before internet and all that, you couldn't get that kind of information. So right. I read uh, in a Swedish magazine like a year after or something uh, about that that band who had this song Black Funeral mm. with, with a band called Merciful Fate. I had no clue who they were. But then I saw the pictures of King Diamond who had like like those <laughs> dolls filled filled with pig intestines and, and a <laughs> real like a cross out of human bones and all that. Right. Like a Alice Cooper times ten, you know, like a <laughs> on right, sale. Yeah. Like yeah. That. Yeah. Wow. And it says that yeah, he was from Denmark. They were from Denmark, our neighborhood country. So, like, wow, that's really impressive. And I thought, he's Satanist and all that shit. What the fuck is that? And, and that's going to scare you. But when you're a kid, you know, just like you want to go to uh, watch horror movies and all that kind of shit. It's like, it's supposed to scare you, but it actually triggers you. Wow, I got to have that. <laughs> so, so, I ran out and bought uh, Melissa album. Melissa okay. album. I listened to all those songs, Evil and Satan's Fall and Black Funeral, of course. And I was like, oh, it was so progressive and so many time changes and all that. I was really impressed by that band. And this was in 83 then. So me and my, my buddy Charlie, we, we, we picked out, like, tried to learn that song, Black Funeral, in the rehearsal room. <laughs> and fast forward, like, 10 years, then I brought him into first into King Diamond, Charlie, ah. because bass and all that yeah. and uh, and then later later on i brought him into to, to merciful fate as well uh, hold on shut up bob <laughs> <laughs> you can be on the show too if he wants to <laughs> yeah but anyway so it's like wow here we are now with the original band i remember this was in harples detroit or something i, I it never crossed my mind before that but i was on stage and there you have Hank on your left and Michael Danner on your right and Charlie was right in front of me uh, as was King Diamond. And he was like going, introducing the next song, Black Funeral. I was like, wow, imagine that. Ten years later, I could never imagine that would have happened. Just yeah. from the suburbs of, of Gothenburg, we were you know, playing that song. And next, next ten years later, we were the original band on this reunion tour in America and stuff. So that's was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, so that's got into King Diamond and and a couple of years later, uh, you saw Mickey D. I mean, I knew him from uh, when I was thirteen oh, years old. He, he's five years older than me, and he was like playing with uh, some local pop band stuff. And uh, he was like amazing. Had this Peter Chris kind of big uh, 
big pearl drum kit, chrome, right. and that, you know, I was like, wow. And I was really impressed by him. And then he joined King Diamond. And, you oh, know, wow. when, when Merciful Fate broke up. Yeah. And oh, so also, you know him way before he joined then. Okay, cool. Yeah, 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 oh. yeah. From when I was a kid, when I first started out playing drums and all that. Oh, so right. anyway, so he joined uh, the new version of Merciful Fate, which was called King King Diamond Solar Project, basically, or that was the band name. Yeah. And uh, he brought in Andy LaRock, who I know sort of vaguely from from the same city and all that. So oh. so that was that was a, a Swedish connection there somehow, you know, because. I used used to used to joke about that. They they ran out of good Danish musicians. <laughs> so so that, that's funny. You were like connected even from when you were younger, pretty much. You know, because yeah. you were. Yeah, that's yeah. weird. That, yeah. yeah, but it's it's kind of fun. I mean, I, I, if I look back at my life, I've I've been writing this autobiography for for a long time now, and that I intend to to. Uh, published like uh, at the end of the year mm-hmm. and going through you know all you know your, your whole life basically and and see how things you know you never know what's going to come behind the next corner because i mean if you follow your heart and and try to stay, stay true to yourself and all that uh you never know what's going to happen you you actually meet those people that you that you kind of admire from a distance or something like that, and, and you become friends with them, and, and you end up playing with Messiah. I, I loved Candlemas, for example. They were opening up King Diamond. So everything connects. Like, I'm a really good friend with Ross the Boss now. I, I was like oh. a diehard Manuel fan when I was yeah. uh, in and stuff. So, so it's like, wow, everything connects somehow, you know? Mm. Yeah. We were supposed, our paths were supposed to connect, uh, to, to cross, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, nice. You never know what's going to happen in the future. No, you don't. It's That's true. a small world, so. Yeah, it is. Actually, I mean, the metal community, as I get older and stuff, you see that it's actually a very small world. I put out this song from my new album. It's called My Religion. I sold my soul to rock and roll. Mm-hmm. And it sounds a little cliche and pathetic, of course. But the, the, <laughs> the, whole idea, the whole idea about that is that Everybody that I know all over the planet, whether you're in San Francisco or in Sydney or whatever it is, we're all KISS fans. Right. <laughs> you know, we're yeah. all, we're all, what connects us is the, the metal music. So it's kind of like a small community after all, because I don't know how old you guys are, but you, you're not 20 at least. You know, <laughs> <laughs> He's the youngest of the group. I'm 40. He's like 30, what, 33? Yeah, yeah. yeah, but I mean, it, it's, I can see that there's a lot of guys let's say older guys i mean we we grew up with this kind of thing and it has sort of influenced our whole beings our lives and, and our paths in life so 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 we have all that kind of thing together i mean we what connects us is the, the music of course you know yeah. which has yeah. put us on the same page pretty much you know because then we have everything for, for free if you look back at it you pretty much have the same and growing up, like wow, I also got into that band, and wow, that got me into this, and blah blah blah. You know, so yeah. So it is a small world. I mean, I'm, I'm such an atheist, and I criticize religion, but when I come to think of it, hmm, metal is our religion. Actually, you know? Yeah, pretty much. That's how I kind of. True. Yeah. It sounds pathetic when I say it, but actually, <laughs> it's true. Of course, it is. It is true, though. Yeah, yeah. I, I do question uh, question religion myself, so. You know. Yeah, that's the same thing to do to question 
whatever it is, you know, like yeah. uh, skeptical about everything, not just swallow what, what they tell you on the on Exactly. The news. Yep. Yeah. Greg, got a, you have something, anything for this uh, is point in time here? No, not really. Not yet? Pretty much asked what I was going to ask. So. Oh. Well, I want to <laughs> take up all your questions. I was going to kind of ask them in order, but I, I don't want to, you know, not okay. uh, involve Greg here. Yeah, no, you can uh, go in order. I was just going to ask about, um, you know, the conspiracy tour and all that. Oh, and then... well, yeah, you could do that because that's where we're going next. So, Okay. Go ahead. Well, um, <laughs> so, so how did uh, you come into that, Snowy? Did you guys all know each other since you grew up together? Or? Yeah, I knew Mickey D from, from like I said, when, from when I... Mm-hmm. He, he was he was practicing with this band, uh, this pop rock band in my school auditorium. He was the new drummer for that band, so I uh, so I got to know him, and I was really starstruck or impressed because I had just started playing drums at that point, and he was eighteen and I was thirteen, and he had been playing for thirteen years. So it's like he was of course way ahead of me. You know, like I was so impressed. So, Helped him put up the drums and all that. I was like, oh my god, real drums! <laughs> He's the guy that I knew the most, and um, Andy I knew just just knew vaguely because he worked at a music store and all that. And later on, they took Pete Black, the guitar player, and he wanted me to. He had a good eye for me, not sexually, but. <laughs> but, no, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but he wanted me to join his. He was also in a Danish band incidentally called geisha and all that and mickey d was in that band but then he joined blah 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 blah. so it's a long story it's a very insist what do you call it incestuous uh, world mm. yeah so anyway mickey d told me like in 88 yeah, that i remember like on christmas day we were hanging out in some bar or whatever he was home from los angeles because they moved to the whole band moved to los angeles from Scandinavia in '87, uh, I think, and uh, oh. I was like up way up north and, and studying in Sweden, and I was back home for Christmas. And he was saying, uh, "I'm gonna quit, Merce, uh, I'm gonna quit King Diamond. I think you should take the job." But I was like so determined to make my own music and all that, so I was like, "Ah, fuck that!" <laughs> you know, I like King Diamond, <laughs> but I wanted so much to, to make my own music that I pretty much turned that down, but I also thought we were kind of drunk and it was just the alcohol doing the talking, I figured, you know. Yeah. So so I just brushed it off, uh, basically. But he said, you should be a good fit in, in King Diamond. And uh, like, like Pete Black, the guitar player, had been keeping in contact with me, so he kept sending me postcards and all that because he wanted me to, for his own band, he was planning on starting this shit. But anyway, he came back, um, like, he called me one day and said, uh, are you home in, in Gothenburg now because I'm flying home tomorrow and I need to talk to you about something. So we got together and uh, went for coffee at his place and stuff and he went on, you know, like nagging about they've been auditioned like over 40 drummers in Los Angeles. People from all over the world through, wow. flew in, really, wow. you know, like professional, semi-professional guys from all over. And nobody could nail it. Nobody could replace Mickey D. Uh, you know, so that is why they had, in the end, they had no choice but to, uh, since he had quit, they had to, to find um, 
uh, they couldn't find a replacement or a good replacement, so so they hired him like a session drummer for this for this for the album. Mm. That's why he's not with the picture or anything on that album conspiracy. Right. So, but anyway, um, but then Pete Black figured instead of keeping Snowy myself, I should let him get some routine and 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 all that. And and uh, when he started nagging about the whole audition thing and I was like okay where where is this leading <laughs> you know <laughs> and I figured that and then he, he popped the question do you want to be King Diamond yeah we can try it out and uh, he told me like learn these four four songs until the day after tomorrow or something like that which I did and uh, he said oh it sounds good just play harder he said <laughs> you know <or> something <laughs> he called King but I figured that I cannot turn down this offer twice it's right. meant to and you know, mm-hmm. because I, mean, I had nothing else going for me. I was back home in Gothenburg and I uh, was trying to put my band together. But you know, like in '88, '89, actually, everything was so fucking, you know, like hair metal crap. And, and <laughs> I, I fucking hated it. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't my thing at all. You know, so. Oh, well, I mean, ju- just look at uh, Fate where Hank went after yeah, but uh, everything turned that way. I mean, I got to say that I, I'm, I'm kind of like backwards or conservative in that way because, I mean, what happened, like, when Van Halen put out Jump and MTV popped up, everything changed. You could see, like, all these old bands like Saxon and Celtic Frost or whatever it was. Everybody was, okay, the, the record companies were telling the bands, okay, guys, you need to break America. That's where the big money is, you know, the big dollars. So you have to to, to bleach your hair or have a leg warmers and look like uh, David Roth. Otherwise, you would like... <laughs> oh, Come on. Hold on. <laughs> Bob, stop it. <laughs> there it is. Bob? <laughs> woo, woo. Bob. Yeah, but anyway, so... Yeah, so, um, where was I? Uh, yeah, but everything happened like that. So, so I figured to join King Diamond, I mean, that's the best thing I can do, and I, I would really love to do that. And uh, so I got the job. We flew to Los Angeles, and and um, and they tried out like uh, some other guy before me. But but yeah, and I, when I just played the first song, and and uh, yeah, after the second song, King the King turned around and said, "Yeah, that's the job." And the song, so much. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so. so. Now I know the uh, the live show. I used to have a tape of the conspiracy tour. Actually, I think mm. live in Houston. That was pretty wild. Cool. I wish the video quality would have been better. But <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know the uh, stage show is really structured. Did you get to bring any of your own like flair or ideas into that, or was it pretty much as the album was played? Uh, what do you mean, as drumming wise? You mean what? Or, yeah. or for? Show. No, but drumming-wise, I was like, I realized that if you join a band and Mickey D was doing such a great job with the whole thing, but I took the basic structure and, and, and uh, tried to emulate that and, and to the best, best of my knowledge or, or skill or whatever. Uh, but then I added some stuff and I took away some stuff that I thought, okay, that could be more tasteful. And if I do like that, it's more tasteful. So... I tried that, and, and uh, as long as they didn't complain about it, you know, <laughs> just doing it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I had a lot of ambitions. The king would say, yeah, but maybe play a little bit more straight instead of going bananas there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because um, well, that video is actually some of my uh, favorite versions of those songs played. I wish there was a live album from that okay. tour. Uh, I really like how you do uh, Sleepless Nights on that. That's probably one of the most powerful okay. versions I've heard of that. <laughs> I don't remember. It's such a long time ago. I don't know. If, well, yeah. Yeah, but I, <laughs> I can't I remember. Come on. My video, I, I was doing that since I'm starting to do my solo thing. And uh, when I, the first show that I did for my solo thing was in uh, 2011. And then I brought in Andy and I brought Mike Weed and Hal Patino and stuff. Uh, and we had a girl. I had a girl bass player in the band. And uh, just so she could do some of the female vocals that I had in Notre Dame, my old band, and also yeah. in, in uh, Therion, also had female vocals. So I, I figured it would be a good combination if I had a female bass player who could handle some of the vocals. So so for that song, she was like Queen Diamond <laughs> and put up makeup <laughs> and, and all that. So we, yeah, but there's a drum cam out there on, on YouTube that I posted. And uh, like I said, it said to the audience, that I haven't played this song in 20 years. so. I just played by muscle memory, whatever. I don't remember it, but I know the basic structure of the song, and then I just fiddle around and improvise. That's that's the way I want to keep it because otherwise, I mean, playing drums for me, if you if you're gonna do it or the same every night, it's like, how fun is that? Right. <laughs> I want to improvise, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but maybe yeah, I do it a little bit over the top sometimes because what happens there and then, like, okay, yeah, I'm just fucking it up, you know. But, yeah. It's got to be a little bit of fun because, I mean, to just repeat, to do the same kind of things all the time, it gets kind of boring, you know. Right, right. Just having sex, like, okay, should we do that form today? <laughs> just <laughs> go with the flow or, or just follow your heart or whatever. You know? <laughs> yeah. that's, that's what I like about your playing because you don't stick to, you know, what was already done. You add your own thing to it. Yeah, thank you. I hope. Yeah. No, <laughs> but, no, it's that's what I like. You know, yeah, but cool. there's also another thing about that that I, I want to keep it sort of a bit open. So I learned, uh, right. I memorized the, the basic structure of the songs, and then I do whatever yeah. impromptu, uh, spontaneous things there. It's mm -hmm. also because I can't memorize that much, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, especially nowadays. I mean, uh, you know, uh, you know, I don't. <laughs> well, it's fun to do. I mean, I want to play fucking jazz and, and just improvise and jam. That's the, the best thing I know. And it's not like, okay, let's jam. We play Breaking the Law. Yeah, but that's oh. we're written. We're going to do it just like it is on the album. That, right. Then it's, it's kind of like, just plain and kind of boring, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but improvise a little bit, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you could totally grab something like Satan's Fall and improvise some jazz into that, though. That'd be pretty neat, actually. <laughs> I've never, never done that song, though, but I mean, what I've been doing with my, my solo band to begin with, I was like doing, because this is the story behind and leading up to that, doing that. It, it, I was like, I was with Dimmy Borger playing bass and, and, and singing, like the, the clean vocals, whatever you call it. And, and uh, but, you know, for, for various reasons, that didn't work out with the manager and all that. We didn't get along. So, so I quit and got back to, to Therion when I was like the, the singer, one of the mm -hmm. singers. And I got back on that. And, and, um, and we did three months in Europe. Like in a lot of, since the Soviet Union, the, the, the Iron Curtain 
came down sort of, you know, it, everything opened up. So there's a lot of countries that I basically never, you know, haven't heard of even. And when we vi- visited those places and play in those cities and people came up to me, hey, you should get back to, with Memento Mori again. I love what you do with Therion, but why don't you make a new Ill Will album or <laughs> Dam and stuff like that? It's like, I kept hearing that every day. Like, wow, Dream Evil is not half as good without you and stuff. So you should go back to that. And I was wow. like, uh, first of all, I'm not so interested in going backwards in life. I want to take on new challenges and, and move forward. Right. Uh, but at the same time, if, if I've been with like 10, 15 bands or something, I mean, I could possibly do that and, and try to please all of you mm. at the same time. But, but then I figured, what if, if since I'm, there's a chain here, maybe... I could do it all, and I play all my favorite songs with all my former bands, you know. Mm. And I bring in guest stars like Michael Danner and uh, Alpha T, or, or from all those bands, you know. Mm-hmm. That could be a really cool show if I want to go. I ask myself, I try to do that whenever I do a new project. Like, would I buy, would I like to see this? Would I like to buy that t shirt that I designed? Of course, yeah. That's that's sort of the, the key word. I try to do something that I would like to see or listen to or whatever, you know. So so I put together that show. And that's why I I play a lot of those old songs that I've been doing on tour or I've been doing on album or or both both ways, you know. And and uh, but I never played Satan's Fall, but that would be a I've done evil and I do um, uh, evil and and black funeral. Black funeral is sort of sacred to me from Right. Oh yeah, definitely. Got into the band and all that, you know. And I've been playing with that with Therion, with Messiah from Candomas and all that on on vocals, like guest vocals. So it's a lot of incestuous bullshit going on with all of those bands, you know. People have from the outside like my wife, okay, but what was Merciful Fate and what was King Diamond? Okay, it was blah 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 like this and then I can eat him uh, yeah. It's kind of complicated, you know. <laughs> Yeah, you are complicated to follow. You were, you, like you said, you were in in uh, Dimu for like, uh, you know, due to the album. Then the album was released, and you left, and then you went back to Therian, and then you're uh, all over the place. <laughs> yeah, I, that that's also why I decided to do my solo thing because I can quit any band, but I cannot quit my own band with my own. Name. <laughs> <laughs> Good idea. That's true. <laughs> Unless I quit music completely, of course. But, but. Do you ever think of that? Every day. Yeah. <laughs> but, but honestly, I mean, nowadays things are so fucked up that I, I have a hard time motivating myself yeah. because my album, my 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 latest album, I I produced it, I play everything, and I sing everything, and I released it on my own record label and all that. It got like stellar or whatever astonishing reviews all over the world. Ten out of ten, nine out of ten, oh, wow. and then I got like nominations five of them around the world in france and and and, and us and canada all that album of the year 2018 wow. but still i wonder where the fuck is the money <laughs> <laughs> very <laughs> true those offers to play those big festivals and do like support to or tours to to rolling stones or whatever now you're about yeah but no. <laughs> yeah, I, I find it a little bit difficult i turned 50 you know and and I, you reach a, a sort of like a crossroads in life where, where you start to reflect on your past and all that and right. and uh, where do i go from here how can i motivate myself to to make the next album because it's a takes a tremendous effort 
and sacrifice to do it all by yourself. It's not right. like I'm playing the bass. I'm I'm doing everything. I'm in charge of everything. You know, mm. it's such a tremendous effort on you. And and um, so how can I motivate myself to 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 go on and do that? And uh, so so I think it's healthy. To, you know, for, at this moment I haven't pl- touched an instrument for maybe eight months or something. Oh wow! Yeah, I've been singing or doing anything. So I. Taking a little bit of time out, I guess you know. So, mm. what, what would you, if you didn't do music, what would you do? Actually, I'm I'm mostly interested in, in, in creating something. So I've been writing my book, like everything. <laughs> That's sort of creative, and I, I like to to draw and design stuff. And and to me, I mean, you're supposed to say that oh, uh, to be in the studio, that's just necessary evil. Because you, then you have a brand new album to go out there and meet the audience. That sounds very, very nice and all that. But to me, <laughs> the, the biggest pleasure I get is from sitting home, coming up with those songs and creating those small worlds in my right. head. And yeah. I try to, to realize my vision that I have. That is, and, and wow, we should have those cool things on stage and it should be like that. And, you know, mm. that. that that's my absolute biggest passion. I gotta say, you know. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, because yeah, I would imagine, like, since you do it all yourself, then it's kind of hard on you too to find musicians to go out on the road with. Yeah, but <clears throat> luckily, I mean, oh, you know enough people, but you know. Yeah, yeah, but but it's kind of complicated. Like I mentioned when I when I first started to do my solo thing there, um, it was really tricky because you gotta have people who are competent to, for for instance. For the most part, I was like singing and uh, playing guitar, maybe a little bit of bass and a little bit of drums. But for the most part, I was fronting my band doing the, the, the main vocals. Mm. Uh, and the biggest problem was like, you've got to find some who, uh, someone who can do book a heavy metal, like groovy and, and sort of laid back in a basic kind of way. And, and also do the ill will stuff where it's like those kind of things and to be good with the double kicks and all that. And mm. That is like asking for a lot, you know, because it, it stretches from glam rock to black metal, you know. Right. And yeah. it's that versatile, or uh, so, so it was kind of complicated. Also, but for me as well to do vocals in, in different styles, I mean, if I'm going to do a King song, I cannot sing, Oh, hail Satan, you know, it's got to be, <laughs> you got to recognize the song, of course. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could though. I, I like I like how you, your vocals are. You're, you're good at the vocals. What is your favorite thing to do? Since you're you're multi uh, talented, what's your favorite thing to do? A lot of people ask me that, but I mean, originally I'm a drummer, but 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 for some for some strange reason I picked that instrument. But I was also the band leader or the, the driven pushy guy. And mm. a couple of years down the road, I realized that. This is not the optimal instrument if you're going to be, uh, like I said, I had to walk around to get the drums or sit there and hum the riffs and all that. So that's why I picked up pretty early on not to, to be a good guitar player or anything like, but anything like that. I just wanted to write the songs, you know. Mm-hmm. So for me, but when I, when I joined Therion, that was the first time really that I was out touring as a singer and, and a frontman. And that is something that you should probably start doing when you're 16 or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but I was 39, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so to learn that kind of thing, to be a good front 
or you know the frontman of a band i mean that's a tough thing i mean some people have it natural and i don't you know so okay <laughs> now i'm supposed to talk with the people here uh, in a cool way you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, because i mean that was also a big challenge for me and, and it was cool you know? i like yeah. that yeah, yeah but there's a there's weird connection between drummers and singers it's like either you want to be okay you're the, you're the guy in the background Mm. But you get sick of it. I want to be in the front, like Dave Grohl, like right. Nicky Anderson, Entombed, like uh, a lot of guys. Bon Scott was originally a drummer. Iggy Pop was originally a drummer. A lot right. of those guys. Oh fuck that shit! I want to be in the front. You know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Actually, uh, King uh, King Fally is a drummer and a vocalist, right? Uh, yeah. Well, he's he switched to just doing vocals about ten years ago. Who but, did that? Uh, yeah, originally uh, King, King Fally, Fally from yeah, yeah, yeah. Deceased. Yeah. Yeah. Which he yeah, used to play some crazy weird. shit and sing at the same time. It's 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 wild. Yeah, <laughs> I've only done done it a few times. I mean, like for my first show, I was like doing Eye of the Witch and singing with a headset and it's like a bit complicated because I'm I'm, I'm waving my arms so much when I'm playing. <laughs> it's ideal to have a microphone in front of you there, you know. Well, that was a good segue, Eye of the Witch. We are now on to the eye. What? <laughs> 